Well, hi. Welcome to the latest message from San Philip United Methodist Church. As we get started, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you, we thank you for all you've done and continue to do in our lives. This is another weekend where the coronavirus is still uh, keeping us under lockdown. But we know that while we're waiting for this virus to end, and we know that it's going to, we can enjoy a closer walk with you. We know that whatever comes our way, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Lord, there are those who are listening at this time who need your healing touch. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would touch them and heal them and make them whole. There are those that need your comfort. And we pray, O oh God, that you would just envelop them in your love at this time and be the comforter to that only you can be. Keep us all covered under your precious blood and uh, lead us and guide us as we go forward now and be with us as we uh, uh, explore your word and look at those things that you have for our lives now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our scripture lesson is found in Luke, the 15th chapter, the 17th through the 24th verses. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Well, last week, uh, as we looked at this passage, I pointed out that the prodigal son, uh, when he returned, he didn't feel worthy of being his father's son. But the father received him as a son. He would not receive him any other way. And immediately in receiving his son back as a son, he gave him three very significant gifts that reflect three very important things our Heavenly Father gives us when he receives us as his children. He gave him a robe, a ring, and shoes. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him 
and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Now, last week we saw that the robe reflects the robe of righteousness that the Lord covers us with, that shows that we're in a right standing with God. The young man didn't think that he was worthy to be considered a son of his father. He just wanted to be a hired hand. But the father took him back as a son. And so today... I want to talk to you about the ring. The ring showed everyone that the father had granted him the authority of a son or a daughter. Now let me share a couple of places in the Old Testament where we're seeing a ring as a sign of authority. First of all, in the 41st chapter of Genesis, beginning with the 42nd verse, we read this. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. The ring showed everyone in Egypt that Pharaoh had delegated his authority to Joseph. In Esther, the eighth chapter, the eighth verse, we read, You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. You see, the ring represents and conveys authority. Now, we have things today that represent authority, don't we? I heard about a highway patrolman the other day that found a man parked in a place where he wasn't supposed to be parking. And he walked up to the guy and the guy was kicked back in his seat, the driver's seat, and he had his cap pulled down over his eyes. And the DPS officer said, sir, you can't park here. And the man in the car said, who says? And still kept the cap over his eyes. And the highway patrolman replied, the state of Texas says. Then the man opened his eyes and he saw the DPS uniform and he said, yes, sir. And he moved his car. Well, you see, when he saw the uniform, he knew that the DPS officer had the authority to enforce the law. And he knew that he should respect that authority. This whole thing of authority reminded me of a, it's a story I read a long time ago. There was a battleship on exercise at sea in bad weather. And the captain on the, was on the bridge of the ship. It was foggy and it was just after dark. And uh, the lookout spotted a light on the starboard side and the captain asked if it was steady or moving. And the lookout replied the light was steady meaning they were on a direct collision course with that ship. The captain 
uh, ordered the lookout to signal the other ship. Change course 20 degrees. We are on a collision course. And the signal came back, advisable for you to change course. The captain signaled, I am a captain. Change course 20 degrees. I am a seaman second class. You'd better change course 20 degrees, came the reply. Now the captain was furious and he sent back, I am a battleship, change course. And the signal came back, I am a lighthouse, your call. Well, one guy may have been a captain and he may have been in a battleship, but a seaman in a lighthouse has authority. And I think that the thing is, is that this just, uh, I think it's just a beautiful picture of what a believer has behind them. You see this young seaman, he was there in the lighthouse and he was on a rock, a rock that the battleship couldn't take out. And the thing is, is that we as believers have the authority of Jesus Christ behind us. He's our rock. We're standing on a solid rock uh, whenever the enemy comes against us. And we have authority in his name. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, walked in his Father's authority and he delegated that authority to us. In Mark 1.22, we read, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Jesus talked like he had the authority to talk about the things of God, not just to try to describe them. It's important that we note that all authority is delegated by God. In Romans 13, 1, we read, Everyone must submit to governing authorities. And listen to this. All authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So in the parable, the father delegates authority to his prodigal son. In the same way, our Heavenly Father delegates authority to each one of his children, each one of his sons, each one of his daughters. But the question I want us to really dig into today is how do we, as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, walk in this authority that he has given us? Well, the first thing is humility. The quickest way to lose your authority is through pride. The Bible shows that that's what ended Satan's authority in heaven. That's what cost Adam and Eve their authority in the Garden of Eden. In Luke 9.1, we see Jesus calling his 12 disciples together, and it says, And he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now, these were the 12 disciples. And some look at it and say, well, that was just for the apostles. They were a special case. But if you look on down in Luke 10, 1, you read this. 
After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Now see, here's 70 others. These were not just the 12, and these were baby Christians. They were brand new followers of Christ, and he gave them the same authority that he gave the apostles. And it, we read on in uh, 10, Luke 10, uh, 17 through 21. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You see this, their names were written in heaven. They were believers. they just become believers. They were baby Christians. And it, it, you, I, here's, we read on, we see what, that they're baby Christians. It says, in that hour Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. He's calling these 70 babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. You see, he tells these 70, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's saying, when Satan crossed my dad, he was out just like that. And I watched it. And I have authority from my father. And I have dedicated that authority to you. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He's saying, don't get puffed up in your authority in the spiritual realm. Be grateful. Be humbly grateful that your name is written in heaven. You see, they were new believers. Now, if you want an example of this in real life, I encourage you to risen the uh, I encourage you to read the writings of Smith Wigglesworth. He was a plumber who was called by God to just be God. And he walked in humility before God. And I, I, he's my best hero. He's my biggest hero, let me tell you, apart from Jesus Christ. Uh, because he did just what I saw Jesus doing. He left the world different in a good way everywhere that he went. When I saw that in the Bible, and I wasn't even a real believer, I thought, man, if there really is a God, I want to serve that God. 
And you know what? He calls us. He called me. He calls you to be like that, to be like Jesus. He called you to be a person that wherever you go, as you walk in humility before God, you're going to leave the world different in a good way wherever you go. But that was Smith Wigglesworth. God used him mightily. But over and over again, Smith Wigglesworth cautions his hearers not to put store and stock in their gifts and authority, but in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, this reminds me of a time many years ago. Uh, you remember the Lord says that unless we become like little children, we can't enter the kingdom of God. Little children trust. Little children believe. Little children have faith. Now, many years ago, we were watching a documentary about an exorcism. And uh, it, we, they were showing, the, they were actually, they had videoed this exorcism. Now, my children have seen demons cast out. And so this was nothing new to them. But these priests were going through all this liturgy. And it just went on and on. It was like their faith was in their liturgy and not in the Lord. And they weren't acknowledging that they had been granted any authority by the Lord. And one of my daughters after watching this drag on and on, finally said, why don't they just cast that thing out in the name of Jesus? I mean, and she was a little kid. She was probably seven years old, maybe. But that brings us to the second thing that we need as sons and daughters to walk in the authority that we've received as followers of Christ, and that is faith. We need to have faith like a little child. Jesus said it. He's given it to you. He wants you to walk in it. He wants you to walk in his authority. That's part of what he's trying to tell you in this story about uh, the prodigal son who came home, who came back to the father, who came to the father's house not feeling that he was worthy, and then being told, I won't take you any way but as my son. He, the Father made him worthy. The Father clothed him with the robe of righteousness. And you're, if you're feeling unworthy today, it's not your righteousness that matters. It's the righteousness that Jesus bought with his precious blood and has put upon you that really matters. And so we're supposed to be walking in this authority in faith. Now, I at one time served a very large church as their minister of discipleship, and we had a healing team there. And we would uh, gather weekly, and uh, we'd have a lesson, and we'd pray, and, uh, and, and we would uh, go over things, and we would just uh, uh, try to be ready for the following Sunday where we would always be available after the worship services to pray for people that needed healing. Uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And sometimes 
uh, people would uh, meet with different members of the healing team, or just a small group of the members of the healing team, and, uh, and they would meet in my study. Now, they had grounding in the authority that there was in Christ, and they had seen healings as a result of their humble and obedient ministry. And sometimes, as I said, they'd meet with people and pray for them without me being around. And uh, one time, about three of them had met with a young lady who was suffering from depression. And they gathered with her, three of them got together with her in my study to pray with her and to uh, 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 just, just help her along uh, and, and just to pray for healing for her because she knew that it just wasn't right for a child of God to just live in the darkness that she was living in. Well, when we all got back together as a group and they reported just right off the bat, it was like that 70 coming back in and giving their reports because they just excitedly shared to me what had happened. And they were wide-eyed as they shared with me because you see, as they were there praying for this young lady, all of a sudden, a voice came from within her, and they said it sounded almost like a man's voice. It didn't fit her petite body, her little body at all. And this voice said, leave her alone. And they said, what? And the voice said, she's mine. Leave her alone. And after their eyes kind of bugged out of their head and their hair stood on end, they knew what to do and they got excited because, you see, they were children of the Most High God. They were followers of Jesus Christ and they were ministering to this young lady in the name of Jesus and they had found the source of her depression and they had faith in Him to do even things that they could not. For they were ministering in his authority, not in their own, not in their own power, but in his. And so they just stood up to this demon just like that lighthouse keeper uh, stood up to the captain of that battleship and cast that demon right out in Jesus' name. She retched a bit, and then it was gone, and she was at peace. Now, you see, even though this situation was new to them, they knew they had authority and they exercised it in Jesus' name. Now, Robert Morris, a pastor of a Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas, which is one of the largest churches in the Dallas area, related a story not long ago that helps us see how what we believe affects our ability to exercise the authority that we've been given as sons and daughters of God. His wife had gone through shingles and flu and an infection just one on top of another. And just as she was about to get over the last thing and she was looking forward, she just flat told her husband, the next day, it's going to all be over. Now, they, 
knew they were under attack. They were getting ready to expand their uh, ministry and their church uh, even more than it already uh, was. And, and they had been, they knew that there was an attack going on. And she just uh, thought that she'd be coming out from underneath these attacks of the enemy. And that day, the day before she thought that everything was going to be over, she was washing a glass vase and it slipped. And as she tried to catch it in the sink, it shattered in the bottom of the sink. And instead of catching the vase, she wound up just plunging her hands into big shards of really sharp glass. And she came out to Robert with her hands bleeding. And as he was in the emergency room waiting while they sewed up her hands, Pastor Morris prayed, Lord, I know that we're in warfare and that we're going to be attacked by the enemy, but why can't I cover her and protect her from all of this? And the Lord spoke to him and said, Yes, this is warfare, and attacks are going to come, but you've been believing two lies. First, when this onslaught began, you began to believe that this was normal. She got the flu, and you thought, well, this is normal. And then she got shingled. And they, you thought, well, people get the shingles. This is normal. Yes, it's normal for Satan to attack my children. But it's not normal for them to lose. Now, you see, the shield of faith will protect you from the fiery darts of the enemy. But even though you knew this was warfare, you were believing a lie because you didn't quite understand warfare, son. You see, he didn't even, he didn't even think about using the shield of faith because he was believing that this was normal. The enemy got around uh, Pastor Morris's spiritual defenses because they were believing a lie. And so the Lord told them, yes, it's normal for the enemy to war against my children, but it's not normal for them to lose. That's not normal. Yes, the Egyptian army followed the Israelites, but they also drowned. Yes, Daniel got thrown into a lion's den, but I shut the mouths of the lions. Yes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the fiery furnace, but they came out with their clothes not even smelling like smoke. All through Scripture, yes, there's warfare, but we win. The shield of faith quenches every flaming arrow of the enemy. Yes, warfare is normal. But losing is not normal. So now Pastor Morris and his wife are warring back in faith and prayer, knowing that they have power over the enemy and that they're not going to lose. Well, that brings up the last thing, and that's obedience. It says in Scripture, now, 
when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. And apparently they agreed because he said, The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. They did know, but they didn't want to say. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, that's not the end of the story, though, because he continues in this line with uh, these uh, spiritual leaders of Israel there, and he says, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, The first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you that tax collectors and harlots entered the kingdom of God before you. Because you see, they were criticizing him for hanging around with tax collectors and sinners and harlots. And what he was saying is, you guys are like the, the son that said, I will go and did not go. These tax collectors and sinners and harlots that are coming to me and receiving forgiveness and entering into the kingdom, they're like the son that said, first of all, I'm not going to go, but then changed their mind. And so he said, you said you would obey the father, but did not. They, talking about the tax collectors and harlots, said they would not, but then they changed their minds, and they did. And he's basically telling them, you know where I got this authority? I got it from my Father. It's his authority, and he gives it to you. So in conclusion, I want to just re review here. You could be a believer and walk in pride and lose your authority. You could be a believer and believe a lie and lose your authority. You can be a believer and walk in disobedience and rebellion and lose your authority. If the enemy is attacking you and some of the arrows are getting through, I want to ask you to do a little self-inventory 
I just want to ask you a few questions. Is there an open door of pride in your life that might be causing you to not walk in the authority that you have as a son or a daughter? Is there an open door of believing a lie? The enemy has so many of them and it's so easy to get uh, deceived. Maybe not having your faith fully or wholly in the Lord. Maybe like Pastor Morris, you've been believing something is normal that is not normal for his children because it's not normal for his children to lose. And maybe you have lost your shield of faith because you've been believing that it's normal for you to lose in the battle that you're in right now. Is there an open door of disobedience in your life that's causing these fiery darts to come through? It may be sickness. It may be uh, financial trouble. It may be uh, just who knows what. But whatever it is, you have authority. And the Lord told this story so that you would know that you can walk in it not because of a righteousness of your own, but because of a righteousness that's been given to you by God. And if you're feeling, yes, this is me. I'm under attack and I've been believing lies. I'm under attack and I have been disobedient and I haven't been repentant. I've been living in rebellion. If you feel the Lord calling you, He is. And what He's calling you to is to come home. To come home and live in your Father's authority. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for reminding us that all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto you and you have delegated your authority to us. You've given it to us because you want us to go forth and live in it. And as we live in it, uh, that uh, we would be making disciples uh, for you and that signs and wonders would follow. You've said that signs and wonders would follow those that believe, that they cast out demons, that they would uh, 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 lay hands on the sick and that they would recover. Forgive us, Lord, if we have not been walking in the authority that you've given us. And thank you, Lord, for making it clear to us today that it's ours. Help us now to walk in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Until I see you next time, goodbye and God bless.